0: Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. My name is Scott Coyne and I'll be your host for this episode. No Ben this week, he's he's not with us but I'll tell you who is, our very own Mr Joris Beck. How you doing fella?
1: Uh, I- I'm alright, I'll try not to be as cynical as Antwerp and Union have been at the uh, Ginkster for the last few weeks but uh, apart from that I- I'm fine. A little bit caught it with the weather but... Um... Well, I hope my uh, my throat and my nose uh, are bearable to hear uh, for our listeners. And, uh, well, uh, ready to go through the uh, last week's uh, games, for sure.
0: Weekends. Absolutely. Yeah, well, why, why don't we just dive right into this uh, with a wee score roundup, as we always do. Uh, Friday night's game uh, saw Leuven win 1-0 at Charlois. Uh, Saturday saw Mechelen get a 1-0 home win with a slightly controversial Jeffrey Heereman's penalty quite late on. Open draw uh, drew four each with Ustend in what was probably the wildest game of the weekend and the big game at the bottom. Westerlo won 3-1 at home against Kortrijk and Antwerp beat Lowly Sarang 2-0 in the final game on Saturday. Sunday saw Club Brugge winning 2-0 at home against Ronnie Dylas Standard. Ghent hitting six against Zulta in a 6-2 win at the regen Stadion and Union winning 2 1 at the Segeka against Joris' side Genk. And the final game of the weekend, Brian Reimers and Anderlecht won 2 0 against Circle Bruges in Brussels. Why don't we start, Joris, in Charleroi with the, the Friday night game, Leuven getting a 1-0 win. Not too much to say about this particular game, I don't think. Probably most... Do, do we have to start there? <laughs> do we really have to? But yes. <laughs> so, yeah, why, not, why, don't, why don't we go chronologically? You know, we, we like to get <laughs> lines here. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, the big takeaway for this game, actually, was probably the fact that uh, Leuven's goalkeeper, of course, uh, Valentin Kojicaro, actually got hit by a coin from the Charleroi Ultra section... During this game, the game actually got stopped for uh, I think it was around about fifteen minutes in the end, and we we don't we don't like to see stuff like that. It's just the latest in a a number of incidents involving uh, Charleroi fans this season that have been a a little bit unsavoury. Thankfully, he was he was able to continue actually, and there was there was no harm done. But there may yet be some comeback on that. Two wins in a row for Leuven now, Yoris. That's the first time they've had two consecutive wins in the league since August. Which is which is unbelievable, but they've brought themselves right into the the playoff two mix, I think, and that's also uh, Charlois's first defeat in six. Mark Bryce will be quite quite happy this weekend, I think, won't he?
1: Yeah, definitely. Why not? Like last week, I was saying, like they uh, that Leuven got that that win to get no. Well, I didn't. I was still asking why they would end up for this uh, in this season because of that. But, uh, yeah, indeed, why not go for that uh, final play of two spots? Um, it's, it's not going to be easy. I don't see them as favorites there, but it is at least something a little bit in their sight. And, um, yeah, that's uh, that also, despite only have two shots on target, which is, uh, yeah, they have been wildly efficient as well uh, this, this week. Uh, in comparison to Sharla, the, they had 25 shots, but unfortunately also only five on target they also got a bit unlucky with at least once hitting the woodwork and maybe i think even twice and yeah that 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 clean sheet that uh, that got broken also at the back then for once they were not completely uh, efficient uh, that uh, the clean the sheets streak of four games in a row before this game uh, that I spoke about last week and yeah on the other hand Leuven getting a clean sheet that that together with to um, yeah piling up a few wins in in a row that, that doesn't happen too often either so that's that's really good for them and indeed the main thing is being was, was it a coin or was it a lighter it does not really matter just stop throwing things at goalkeepers it's just ridiculous, it's dangerous, and uh, yeah, well, we get bored right now. Not that it's ever been exciting, but now definitely,
0: <laughs> yeah we definitely don't want to see more of that, that that malarkey at all it's an interesting result actually because um, Charleroi have been in a decent run of form as we've been talking about um, over the last couple of weeks and it's a result which means that, that there's probably a, a four team race for that final playoff two spot now you know Charleroi, Leuven and Anderlecht and the Circle and for a long time it was looking like it was going to be between Anderlecht and the Circle but I think, I think these two sides would, would probably argue that they're definitely going to be in with a out over the next few games uh, to, to, to kind of claim that spot and it's just kind of up the up the excitement there really hasn't it
1: yes indeed we'll have to see how this all unfolds uh, i don't remember if there's a lot of uh, games between them either we already had one extra one this uh, past weekend where we will touch on later on so uh yeah why why wouldn't we move on to the Saturday games?
0: Yeah, let's do that. Let's um let's head to Mechelen, to the Acrada Kazern. Uh Mechilin getting a one-nil home win against Binky's boys and Truden. And I have to say, oh, Joris, uh, Bernd Hollerbach's not been very happy this week, really, has he? He's not happy with that var call which led to Mechelen's late penalty uh five minutes before the end. Again, not a lot to say about this game actually. You know, pretty pretty uneventful for the most part. Last week we touched upon the fact that you Know, St. Trudens' season seems to be kind of petering out. No wins in six for them now and Mechelen probably safe. Um, this win's probably guaranteed their safety. It was probably the final final chance for them to sort of, you know, kind of secure that and I think they've probably done that now. What did what did you make of the penalty actually? Because it's the, it was the, the main takeaway from this game.
1: Yeah, I can completely understand Hollerbach. I, I know letter of the law, it's probably is a penalty, but yeah, well, if you make a if in a in an aerial duel and with the ball behi- being behind you, then getting that ball headed towards your elbow, well, n- literally no one has even seen it because literally no one, both fans or the Michalov uh, players, were complaining either. To give them that a penalty. It, it's, it's, it's very harsh. Uh, I can completely understand. Hollenbach. But yeah, also, uh, like I said, letter of the law, um, it's not the only one penalty this weekend. Uh, we'll also touch on that. I'm, I'm sure. But in both cases, I feel like, yeah, you, the, 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 these are ridiculous penalties, but they have been given lately so often, but uh, that, there's something so, so, Twisted maybe about these handball rules. We can, we can come every few weeks. It comes back this team with us as well. But like in, in everywhere around the world, I think now or anywhere where they have VAR at least. But it, it's it's I can completely understand Holger's back frustration. A few other things uh, on the game before we I'll pass it back on to you. But uh, yeah, what one shot on target from Sintra as well. So yeah, that 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 shows that they didn't that didn't really deserve anything out of the game. They're probably a, a nil nil would have been a fairer result, uh, because Michael also wasn't too exciting. Hermans played okay. Enoch Aguilé made a nice cameo uh, for 45 minutes, I believe. He played the full second half and had some good actions and then made some impact. It is nice for the youngster, but apart from that, there's not much to take away from it uh, indeed. What did you you think about the the penalty then?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think, you know, if you're following the letter of the law rule, then, then it probably was, but it's interesting because we're seeing, you know, week in, week out now, we're seeing two or three incidents at least uh, that are very similar to that. And, of course, we'll, we'll get to this in a little while, but there was there was another penalty that was similar in terms of of its um, slightly frustrating quality, I suppose, in in your your side's game, the the, the game at the Segika between uh, Genki and Union, which, interestingly, today, in fact, uh, the referees' department have come out and said that they didn't think it was a penalty and that the referee should have come and had a look at it at the time to make a decision uh, for himself, I find that interesting, just particularly because you know if they're able to look at that one and go, they didn't think there was anything in that, but they didn't have a problem uh, with the one in the Mecklenburg game is kind of odd because they're quite similar in that you know the the ball the ball touches the arm and it's kind of it's given and you see in games now you know players claiming for for handballs um, to to such a ridiculous estate, extent that 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 is getting is getting a little bit out of control and some players are looking very silly you know when 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 you know when a ball's smashed into the box and it comes off somebody's arm and they instantly look to the referee and point towards the var um i think some people get a wee bit over over reliant on it but yeah a non eventful game and a game that was decided probably unfairly on on one of those decisions that you know some weeks you will get and and some weeks you won't unfortunately. yeah
1: and here, here i found it's like it has not no impact and it should not decide anything but here there was not even any they they were not even claiming it no one was claiming it no one understood why the var was (laughs) was check what the var was checking why the var was checking not that it matters but just like it it adds to like the yeah, the, the stupidity maybe of the, all these calls,
0: sometimes. I think that was exactly Bernd Hollerbach's point afterwards when he said that absolutely nobody in the stadium, none of the fans, none of the players on either side saw anything or were claiming anything until it was pulled back by the VAR van. Uh, so what one individual in the bees, um had a had an issue, whereas you know thousands of other people, you know, either way did, didn't see anything, which does underline the kind of ludicrousness um, of it. I did also see rather amusing. This week, as well, that there's some journalists were invited to to Bees to to have a little play with the, the VAR set up. Uh, Mki Courtois was there along with another journalist, um, getting some some access to the ins and outs of how how all of that works as well. I think in an attempt to obviously increase the transparency, because we know in, in recent weeks that we we've had a little spate of uh, pretty controversial decisions and a number of complaints. Uh, so I thought that was quite a positive move to to be honest, but I'm not sure it's positive enough to to completely restore trust in in, in that in that process.
1: I'm just waiting for our own invites. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's right. Yep, you can have us over any time you want, and uh, rest assured, everybody, we will we will bring our screwdrivers and hammers and dismantle the entire thing on your behalf. Let's move on, uh, shall we, to the the Stadium for uh, the wild game of the weekend, as I called it earlier. again game that actually finished four apiece. It saw six second half goals. Um, it was one of those games where if you left the room and came back in uh, after any length of time you would have missed a hell of a lot uh, because it was it was raining goals particularly in the second half a lot riding in this game as we know it was one of those ones where if one of the side had won then they really would have put themselves in a, a much more positive position than they were kind of going into this and it was great to see both sides really really going at it. Not much defending going on I have to say I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that Joris, I thought some of the defending was just you know non-existent and probably explains why both of these sides are are in the predicament that they're in. I thought Kasama and, and uh, Charles Cook were really good for it and they were they were really up for it, getting a goal each as well over the course of the game. But um, wild, wild stuff. And interesting afterwards, you know, obviously open dropping two points with virtually the last kick of the ball, which must have been hugely, hugely frustrating for Ed Still. He came out actually and was very positive afterwards, talked about how proud of his team he was, um, talking about the number of shots of goal that they had. Um, how how offensively good they were. Interesting to note how he sidestepped, you know, what I was talking about there and some of the rather concerning defending. But this was this was really great entertainment, particularly for the neutrals.
1: Yeah, funny you have to mention that if you tune out for a few minutes, well, for whatever reason, well, you miss a lot, especially in that five-minute spell in the second half where well, a lot of goals uh, followed. Guess who missed that? <laughs> and, has, and and I have watched most of the game, a very entertaining watch. But yeah, that unfortunately I missed those five minutes. <laughs> uh, well, a bit more than that as well. It was not just that; it's not that I left right before and they started scoring. But still, um, there there was a part of the game that, that I missed, and that was definitely inside that part. It's a very interesting game, difficult to see. Like for, at the one hand, a, a draw is probably a good enough result for Uefa. But on the other hand, yeah, conceding three goals against uh, ten men, uh, an opponent that down to ten men, also and yeah, just not making the most of, of it. Even though yeah, at least you can say they can get back into the game. But yeah, they the, they were also. Thirty seconds away, I think, from really, like you said, with Michela, from virtual safety. I think for the whole, for the entire season, no matter what they do in the rest of their Ooh. games, because of um, well, we were having this discussion in the during the game as well. <laughs> Ostender was ahead at one point. They are three points behind, but at least at the moment, with the goal differences and with the the amount of games won, Ostender will virtually need two games at least to to get um, ahead of ahead of Öpe. Except if Öpe have one really horrible result i think the goal difference most likely will stay in their favor uh but yeah if they would have won that would mean that that Ostendor would also need three games instead of two and there's only five left so that that would have been a really tough ask from them plus of course Erpe would also have uh, jumped uh, and leapfrogged um Kortrijk, so another team must uh, that should go above them so yeah, I, I, they will feel very frustrated about that. You could also feel the pandemonium after the the four three. Um, where I was already thinking, hold hold on, guys, it's ten minutes to go, and <laughs> your defense hasn't been looking so well. So I hope like you're not resting on your laurels and then try to get that fifth goal still. Um, of course, not well, throwing everything at it, but at least yeah, try to go for it. Which they probably did, and I think uh, there was one moment they only created, but like where in three probably should have passed the ball to a teammate, across uh, the ball, it was probably free in front of goal. And instead of taking a shot from a, well, an angle you can take a shot from, but still a very difficult angle to score, especially since Hubert, I have to mention him, uh, definitely in this game, despite uh, conceding four, he, he also uh, held out a few, mm. well, held out a lot, actually, but there were a few really good saves as well. And yeah, he actually, in the end, got the assists for the, yeah, for the the for the four four uh, in the in the really dying seconds of the game, uh, which is also remarkable, but yeah, also n- not great defending again uh, from both sides. Uh, one last thing I want to highlight from Open is uh, just like if you watch well, actually you need to rewatch the whole game if you can. If you can't, try to watch. Find the highlights uh, that you can find them on our Twitter page, I guess, or uh, otherwise via yeah, Eleven. I'm sure they, they will be available. Uh, watch them, watch them completely in full. But if you really don't have any time, then watch the. The, the the first equalizer the one one from uh, from Urpe uh, right before halftime that that was a really really well played out game both uh, uh, yeah the spell of uh, of ga- of the game where um, the, the the whole attack was was really a nice team build up but then also the finishing itself was also brilliant from uh, gasava so uh, definitely look that up if you haven't seen it yet Ostende, despite that performance yeah t- t- defending like they, they that just like there were two very similar goals that they conceded That's like, yeah this can happen once but twice yeah it feels like they they should have learned from that mistake and they didn't and well it it cost them half i guess in the end not not completely but uh they, they got back into it but yeah that these small margins can make the difference in the end of the season like what well, was it a sm- uh, just a yeah a weighted cross to the second post and then the, an easy header for for the upper player the one Sprivoljak and one slamvera i believe to uh, yeah to uh, a yeah, to the corner across uh, them and yeah diagonal header it's difficult to to for a goalkeeper to get that but i do think the the yeah defenders should have learned at least that second time at um it uh, wasn't to be, but getting that draw keeps them alive in a way. It's still going to be a tough t- task, but uh, yeah, they're, they're not completely lost now.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed watching this game, actually. And it was one of the ones I was kind of looking forward to going into this weekend and, and making a point of watching because of the the, the stakes were were so high here, and it was interesting going into this game that both sides decided to give away free tickets as well, which I thought was was which is a great thing. Both sides realising the importance of having a a, a good crowd at the care wagon. There was actually, um, because you know people who watch Open regularly will know that you know they don't attract the biggest crowds for various reasons, and I think there was a slightly bigger crowd there this week than than there has been most weeks. You mentioned kind of uh, small things being kind of quite significant, which is obviously. Like always the case but in the case of this particular game obviously Antan Tang getting a, a red card he's now got a one match suspension as has Fraser Hornby uh, who picked up a yellow, which means he's now going to serve a suspension. So they're both going to miss the next game. And Usten don't have the easiest run-in in the final uh, five games. So this could yet come back to bite them, particularly in Fraser Hornby's case, I think, who is a a really important player for them and, and has been for for a while now. But a really, really entertaining game, this. And uh, it'd be nice to see more, more action like this in games. Uh, speaking of sides struggling at the bottom, why don't we move on to Westerlo and Kertrike. Uh Westerlo winning 3-1, Joris, against Bernstock's Kertrike. uh Bernstock, who was, of course, earlier in the season himself at Open. Another nice little link there between these two fixtures. Kertreik have only got two wins in 10 now. We've been speaking a little bit about how the breaks have kind of come on there. They, they're running into a, a sticky patch again. And they've actually got quite a tough run in, um, thinking about, you know, trying to secure their own safety. In the last five games they've got Club Brugge at home, Circle Brugge away. The big one is probably the away fixture against Open. Antwerp away and Union saint home. So, uh, there's not too many points there by the looks of it for them. And I'm sure they'll be targeting that. That open game is the, is the really big one where they want to get something. But this this had the feel of this weekend's routine home win to me. Uh,
1: yes, there w- it was a bit m- more difficult than the scoreline suggests. But yeah, uh, Westerlo was not at their best themselves. Uh, but in the end, uh, it definitely became a routine win. Bolat almost gifting uh, a goal uh, at at nil-nil. At still uh, to to Kortrijk, where uh, I don't remember who it was, but uh, they, they should have punished punished them that, for that, and that could have changed the whole. Uh, the the whole game, of course, yeah, in the end yeah didn't happen. he did give away give away well, not only he but like he was involved at that at the goal they conceded as well, where he also the the playing out of the back didn't go well, and the rolling out from the back i suppose more from Bolat you know cost cost him the goal in the end, that's uh, insignificant, luckily for him. <laughs> Uh, and, and for the whole uh, defense. Kortrijk, yeah, Salomani thing the boarding and, and in that same action, twisting his ankle and being out for at least a few weeks. It, it does uh, hurt them, obviously. In and, in well, what else to say? Vasa's scoring... Could say a hat trick, but in the end, the first goal was given as an own goal. So, uh, unfortunately for him, <laughs> it's not in the statistics, but uh, he did score two dice goals as well. So, he definitely stepping up after the Lyle Foster's departure. Uh, I think he scored as well uh, this weekend for Burnley, but that's uh, not for this podcast. <laughs> uh, definitely. But And, and then the market, so that face, that nil nil uh, where Bolat gave the, oh, uh, a big chance away was. Right at the brink of half time, and right before half time, so that means literally a few few minutes uh, or seconds maybe before that, uh, yeah, the Vasson or Watanave scores that. The one nil for Westerlo for the other side, so that's uh, yeah, that, that's how, how that game could have changed because it probably would have prevented the Westerlo goal at the same time as well.
0: Yeah, the w- Westerlo's good, good home form continues as as it has done uh, all season, and they're still kind of banging the goals in. In fact, only your side, Joris Genk and Union Sanjua, have actually scored more than Westerlo this season, which is which is pretty pretty impressive stuff. It'd be interesting to see where Westerlo would actually be if um, if defensively they were a little. Bit stronger um, because they do concede quite a lot as well, but that's one of the reasons why they're so they're so wildly entertaining. And the, I've been continuing that streak of of newly promoted sides who've, who've done very well in the in their first season season back. Um, let's move on, shall we, to the the final game on Saturday, which was Sarang nil Antwerp two, uh, Antwerp bagging yet another win. Um, And this was pretty much a a routine away victory, particularly the case after Daniel Lapari's early red card for Sarang on, on 11 Minutes. Um, in fact, I think Antwerp scored their two goals in the following eight minutes after that. Egel and Kampen, and Jansen bagging those goals. And in truth, there was no way back after Antwerp had, uh, particularly after they'd scored, scored the second. But, and here's the thing I suppose that I, I really want to talk about in relation to this game. It's, it's the farcical uh, strip situation. For those of you who saw it this weekend, um, everyone will know that Sarang play in red and black. That's their, that's their home kit. Both sides were were wearing red and black kits here, and at half time, Sarang decided to to change to to avoid the confusion to what is their white away kit. But it turns out there wasn't enough uh, white away kits available, so the kit man had to resort to uh, using uh, black marker pens. Uh, white pens to block out numbers to create new numbers it was just absolutely farcical stuff and the thing about it is Joris what I didn't understand was and it still confuses me I think there is a league rule that says the onus is on the away side to make sure that if there is a kit clash, they are the side who bring an alternative kit as well. I've never seen anything quite like this in in a top European league. There was an incident, I think, similar to this, I think, what, seven or eight years ago now between uh, Ghent and Genk, where, where they both... Uh, wanted to wear white kits in the day, I think, and one of those sides had to give them an alternate pair of socks or something like that. Absolutely, kind of crazy stuff. But I, I tend to agree with uh, Sarang's uh, Christophe Lapointe, who said after the game that this is all Antwerp's fault because he knew obviously that the rules state the onus is on their wayside, and he was asking. Why didn't they bring their white away kit? So um, I suppose that's a question for Antwerp's kit man.
1: Yeah, there's a few more things to this story. So apparently the (laughs) FA decides, uh, well, which colors, or at least advises which colors should be uh, worn we were already questioning it beforehand but despite that apparently they did not get these kids uh, with them or at least not enough or anything I don't know <laughs> yes yeah, so red yeah, then on the other hand, obviously what in the end was made it more farcical didn't have enough shirts uh, uh, yeah for the uh, for alternative shirts so yes I believe it was even um in the other in the other case you mentioned uh, if I recall right because I'm not completely uh, 100% sure but I believe it was maybe even that one of the teams had to wear the away kits from the other team, but yeah, because <laughs> because obviously they these will have completely different colors to the other to, other to the home kits because that's the rule as well that they that these colors are not too uh, similar. Uh, but- that's why you have those kind of kids. That it, it is farcical, wh- whose fault it is or not. Well, I don't know. If, uh, if, uh, everyone, I guess. But yeah, this is the, the uh, typical Belgian league stuff, I suppose, unfortunately. Uh, although, well, in the end, we can have a laugh about it. But yeah, there, there was that. Also, Butte having to... Because after the change, then Boutet had a, a, his goalkeeper's kit was then <laughs> too similar to as well. So the, he had to take his uh, goalkeeper kits of... Uh, of uh, Davino Verhulst, the, the, their second goalkeeper. And uh, the, the Antwerp fans were joking that, uh, despite not having played a game yet, uh, he has kept, kept a clean sheet now, so that's uh, that's uh, really good for Verhulst for, for himself. <laughs> but um, yeah, on the game itself, indeed, not much in it, that. That red card. It's always difficult. It's difficult to say if that was a, if it was a red card or not. But because of the pitch, Janssen. Uh, yeah, he he was really looking for that fall as well. So like he he did go down quite easily, but yeah, it's the, not that it would have mattered the outcome of the game. I think it was never any doubt that even with eleven versus eleven, uh, v eleven, that that Antwerp would win this game. Yeah, that, after the it, it only thing was that it's a bit underwhelming, but uh, it, it doesn't matter. But that after the two goals were scored and the difference was made, really there was not much in it anymore. Like from both sides, uh, you you would have expected maybe Antwerp to even push through, and, uh, but. On the other hand, why would they if there was no no threat coming from from Sarain either? So um, a routine win, definitely. And and another farce in Belgian football, but at least one that's like, I guess it's harmless, but it's just a bit, yeah, it shouldn't happen. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it's wild. I think it's probably best summed up by, you know, for those who didn't see it, if we tell you that Antwerp's away kit is, is actually white, but they chose not to bring that, instead they chose to bring as the alternative their first choice kit actually was was their third kit which is the red and black one which is the same colors that Sarang play in that that explains the problem just absolutely crazy I, i've never seen anything like it and i'm not sure we'll see anything on on this level uh, f- for a while um but it gave us a good laugh this weekend.
1: Final and well really final notice Janssen scoring uh, the goal, which uh, in the end took t- takes him to uh, get wear the golden bull from next week on, I believe. So he is now equal uh, on gold, telly as uh as Unawachu and Kapris hasn't scored more than uh to take him, take it over, uh, and um, Janssen has scored more away goals than Novacu, so now he's going to wear <laughs> the the golden bull shirt. Um, it took a while
0: before Novacu lost it, uh, even after his departure. But uh, here it is. He's going to take some catch, now I think because he's he's been in pretty decent form all season. Um, has has Vincent Janssen, who of course this week announced his, his his retirement from the the Dutch national team as well, didn't he? Or
1: I, I guess. Throughout his whole career, he hasn't hidden that there's more than football in his life, and uh, I, I believe the official reason. Uh, I, I've, since it's Janssen and he made that bold choice to move to Mexico for the experience as well in his football yeah. career, I, f- I feel like yeah, that that that, that it's uh, also sincere that, that that the busiest football calendar is a bit too much, and that like he probably would rather spend some of his. Uh, well, free time that he would have outside of the club uh, football that he that rather spent that with his family or traveling. I don't know <laughs> whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, then then going on an away trip to Estonia, for example, and then being and and especially since, to be honest, he'll always be a bit of a fringe player with the national team. If he would be the their star striker, that, that that decision would be. Probably harder for him, and he probably would, it probably would not even come up in this, but it's given the situation he's in i believe that that's probably it's a reasonable decision i guess
0: i think i think the antwerp fans are quite happy with it at least they seem to be from from what i could tell from what their response and i, I could understand that let's move on shall we let's let's head to the an Uh the first game on sunday was club Brugge against standard and club managing to get the three points with a 2-0 win uh, to settle things down for them they've they've had a a tricky seven to ten days to, to say the least, aren't the Joris, Ferran Utgland, Bjorn Meyer, uh, managing to to get them over the line here. I didn't actually think that club were, were were any better this week eh, on the whole than they have been recently. There was a little bit more intensity to their play, so there's nothing to suggest anything major changed in that sense but I think there are some things behind the scenes that, that have just made feel people are a little bit better with that result and it will settle them down. Standard not playing badly, I, I thought they lacked eh, a bit of bravery on the ball, Yoris, I don't know what you thought, there was a lot of knocking the ball around and not much breaking of the lines or, or, or anybody really Really looking to get in behind and perhaps they could have got themselves something out of this game if they'd been, been a little bit braver but in truth there, there wasn't that much in it. Um,
1: I, I agree from both points um, I've, also especially since the media like well now it's good that Klubriga win a much needed win they needed this and for their belief in the further part of the season that's definitely um, yeah the most important part but in in the in the game it was not all that that uh that much better maybe slightly improvements but not not very tangible at least in the media it's been a bit too much hallelujah I think <laughs> a bit in a way after this one result. Uh... But OK, that's uh, the media and then their race anyway. But Meijer is, uh, is on scoring form. He uh, like, uh, got now three uh, goals in four games, I believe, uh, including uh, the, the consolation goal uh, in uh, in Lisbon last week. Yeah, we're, we're probably, uh, unfortunately, were knocked out of the Champions League uh, quite well that they would they they would not go through was quite quite obvious but uh that's that they would lose this much uh, by this much and not only by this much but also by the way the game panned out that that that's a bit painful uh a painful watch uh, i believe i suppose and also well the whole history with with the with parker that that being parker's last game we probably really need to quickly touch on that as well that it, it did happen uh, unfortunately unfortunately that our episode from last week was was caught in uh in speed that i believe even by 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 that <laughs> sacking that uh, also there the media was the thought the role of the media was a bit weird because the sacking was already announced during the game and well also that Schroeder would be his uh, successor was apparently almost set in stone, but they're the, nothing game of that. But I've seen opinion pieces and so on 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 the, on that appointment or on the potential appointment. For Shur- sure, of sure, it it all feels feels a bit very weird like well it makes the decision had had been made beforehand, obviously as we talk about as well maybe we should not linger too much on it but actually i'm making a way too long story here but meyer scored a goal but um uh, uh, in sco- in scoring the goals but i also wanted to touch on uh since and that was also highly needed because uh also youth scored this goal uh finally uh, but before that, uh, he had not scored since the end of October against Ostende. Um, well, and that is, uh, I mean, a, a non-penalty goal. He also scored a penalty goal, I believe it was in Hoofkens' final game or towards the latter, latter stages of Hoofkens' uh, career at the helm uh, of Brugge. Definitely, uh, he scored a penalty, one penalty in between, but uh, he much needed a goal as well. And... Uh, yeah, he he got that a standard. Like what I said, is, what you said basically comes down to what I was also saying. Like they lacked a bit a bit up front on the day. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. But here, like it needs a bit of bravery to take the shot, or 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 like sometimes they actually got quite far. Since Club defending was not completely on point either yet, but somehow they no real big clear cut chances came out of it. Or at least not enough. And but and when they were there, like they didn't put their foot through the ball or anything. It, it yeah, they wasted them, themselves. All in all, I guess I deserved to win, but yeah, it, it 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 again fine margins, I guess.
0: Yeah, so we see so many games like that nowadays. Yeah, you're right. Just on on Scott Parker again. Um, it's funny. Um, obviously, a lots happened since since last week where obviously we were speculating just as much as everybody else was about what might happen in in the few days following following the Benfica game, and it happened a little bit quicker than I think uh, anybody realised. Uh, Rick Demel obviously has been installed now, and it looks as if Rick is going to be there until the end of the season. Now they, they seem to have, you know, consulted a little bit more widely and, and feel that like that's probably the right thing. I think they're probably making the right decision there, Joris. I think he's he's a decent decent fit. He has the confidence of everybody there, and that that that's sensible. I think while they they, they continue to look and consider their options, we've actually had um, amongst our listeners' questions this week. We've we've had a Question specifically on Club Brugge, actually, which we we might as well take. just now you're as well. While, while we're talking about Rick Mill and Scott Parker, it's from uh, regular listener Matt J Ball ninety eight at uh, Matt J Ball ninety eight. Hello, Matt. Thanks for the question. Matt asks us about the situation at Club. What the latest is, um, and obviously there's been some developments the last twenty four hours. I was saying that they're going to stick with Rick Mill. but the second part of Matt's question was uh, who, in our opinion, would be the right fit. for for club. I think, you know, just answer this kind of quickly in my part for you, Matt, I think part of the issue here is I'm not sure Club Brugge have a clear idea actually of what they want, and that's what's led to to some questionable kind of appointments recently as well. Um, I think there's a little bit of a disconnect inside the club as to uh, how they're going about this. Normally, club's sporting directors would lead on these appointments and, and and drive this forward. And that doesn't appear to be the the case here. Tom Callow, who used to be at Mechelen for a long time and did a very, very good job there, obviously. He's the sporting director at club now, and he seems to be, it looks anyway, as if he's not particularly part of this process uh, for for whatever reason, um, which means that there are big questions to ask of uh, Bart Verheiger and Vincent Manet. I think that, that that's for sure. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what they do decide because there are a number of names, games um swelling around just now aren't they Yoris and they really need to decide in some kind of you know long-term long-term game plan on this really
1: definitely and indeed I guess they should first get that internal vision in order there are some good options I hear whispers but like this is very much speculation that that Gerard even already has a well, he's definitely one of the candidates. I don't think that would be a secret, uh, but that that there might even be already some kind of oral agreement in place for that. But uh, yeah, th- there's there's plenty of good managers, and I'm I'm, I, I'm personally very bad at, at, at this uh, of at talking and, and deciding and finding the, the new man- right managers or the right fit for clubs. Um, Gerard is a club man, so I can tell you that at least. So like he 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 played there for a while and. Uh, he still lives there even, I believe. So that, that would, um, in a in a cultural fit way, probably not be uh, a bad choice. That doesn't mean that there aren't uh, any more viable candidates around uh, that are without a job at the moment as well. Um, I'm also not sure, indeed, given the position Uno and Gerards themselves are in at this, uh, this, this season, when, yeah, whether he already would be interested in that, but there's a regular crop of names, I guess, that have been su- successful uh, to drop a few names. But it's really this is no inside info for anything, but just a few names. Lissin and Torup have been circling Schröder, also still circles. Whether these would be good appointments or not, also well, again difficult to say. They can, they I think they all can be, but yeah, they all have their own personal approach and needs i i think it's probably good for them that they stick with the internal candidate for this season see this season out because i believe they also anyway initially wanted to hire someone for the rest of the season and then move on to another coach but yeah i'm not sure which manager would sign that kind of contract very short-term contract without yeah without without already knowing that it's only a short-term job
0: yeah, definitely something we're going to come back to talking about um, in the coming weeks. Um, and if not before the end of the season, certainly over the summer, it's something we'll, we'll be talking about. That, that, that's for sure. Let's move on, shall we, to uh, Varagam uh, and the Reagan stadion Stadium uh, for Zalta Varagam 2, Ghent 6. And I suppose the big story to from this game, Yoris, is the four, yes, four second-half goals for Ghent's 20-year-old Nigerian striker, Gift Orban, who's just had a, an unbelievable start to to his Ghent career. He's now got nine goals in eight games in all competitions, and he would have had five in this game if one hadn't been chopped off as well, to make it even more remarkable. He's actually the first, uh, and this is, this is a wild start, the first Ghent player to score four in a game since the late Leon Makuna uh, got four in 1958 against Beringen, which is just unbelievable. And some of his finishing this weekend, uh, Orbán's finishing, was was absolutely wonderful. And he's the main takeaway from it, other than the fact that Zalta just cannot stop conceding goals.
1: The main takeaway was also, I, he also missed an incredible chance, probably the easiest one, that he created for himself uh, well, but then the finishing was quite easy. It was like a take, well it was like taking a penalty kick for the finishing and he curled it wide. Like, I don't know how he missed that and then scored uh, a brilliant free kick and put in some nice uh, other types of goals as well. So, uh, But yeah, okay, that didn't matter, obviously. And he still had it. Regardless of that, he had a great game. But, well... The great doesn't even start to, to to describe it, I guess, or at least the second half Gent didn't get to get their record record win uh, against sul that was two seasons ago, that was two seven and at one point it very much looked like they would easily break that so uh, <laughs> they, they, I, I don't think anyone's was too pointed on from on that from both sides, but still it would have been nice for them i suppose um but also like they they were despite that one big miss really really making the most of their chances because yeah also they will come back to ultra Argem as well and and that defense in heat but uh, they only very 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 narrowly I believe by not point not eight or something be- beat ultraage on on um, expected goals and there were no penalties in this game to to c- close that gap easily uh, so, yeah, that, that actually sums it up for uh, nicely for once. I know we shouldn't use ex- XG expected goals too much into a in a single game, but also just the first half, uh, Zotowarheim actually were playing quite well. It was, uh, was remarkable that the... Or remarkable. Gent uh, were also not defending too well, that, that Zotowarheim weren't ahead by the time that Gent actually got their first real big chance that which was then headed in, and two minutes later, yeah, another another brilliant finish from uh, uh, Castro Montes, uh, and then I think we've got uh, all the goals covered as well. Yeah, we already killed the game. The him so just, yeah, is it, so inefficient. Um, on both sides uh of the of the game again um yeah they they really were very much in this game but yeah they, then they finally scored uh, the one two to to get back into the game one minute later Orban scores his first goal then they get back in it to it in it again two three two minutes later Orban scores yeah and yeah, the game is they just make it so difficult for themselves and yeah, uh, they 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 just can't stop leaking goals, and and they really want that title of the worst defense in the league. Um, but I, uh, if they also want to stay up, still, I think they they can still may get both both not get relegated and the title of the worst defense in the league. Uh, I fear they they are already at that point were nobody's going to catch them on that point anymore.
0: Well it's interesting because on that specific point I went and had a look at this um, because it's obviously as we know this is not a new issue, we've been talking about this for pretty much the last three years um, in in a cyclical way in relation to Zalta they've actually conceded 67 goals so far this season, last season across the entire season they conceded 69, now at the moment they're conceding an average of about 2.13 goals per game Which is going to make it very difficult for you to win any games, obviously. But if they maintain that average to to the rest of the season, and there's no reason to suspect that there's going to be any real change between now and the end, they will have come the end of the season conceded pretty close to 80 goals which is unbelievable, and if they can manage to escape the drop, having conceded that many goals, I will be very, very surprised. I, I, as well, some other people, but some numbers in there and some issues which which have never really been addressed over the four years, just kind of coming back uh, yet again to haunt them. Just before we move on uh, to to talk about your side against Unión. Joris, um, coming back to Gift Orban for a minute, a lot of people have been getting very very excited about him over the last few days, do you think people are getting too excited about him at the moment because despite having an amazing start there are a number of people who seem to have sold him already for 20 million euros
1: including himself because he said he, uh, he would he would take the move to the, to the Bundesliga or the Premier League this summer already, of course that was just a simple yes or no question uh, in a talk show programme but well, he could have answered differently, I suppose. No, nonetheless, <laughs> yeah, it's always difficult, uh, this kind of things. There's the footballing side. There's also the business exercise to make from a business point of view. I, I guess he probably would have to sell from a footballing point of view. It would both be, yeah, and also for him, probably financially, it would be, uh, yeah, uh, a good move if he makes one the next one, that, that that's also no, no surprise. But for, for him personally in his football career, it probably would be good to settle down in in, in Ghent and, and see what he can do over over a longer period of time, okay? Uh, because now it's really he, he's. Yeah, really put to the well he, he's really started his career on a uh, at Hint at a level that well there's there's just no way that or I would be very surprised that he can sustain that. Uh but if he can then that also means well both good things for Hint and for him uh will come so uh later on as well. Yeah, and, and also yeah, to get some stability and get make sure that you make the right steps at the same time because he definitely needs to work on something still. Obviously, his finishing is great, but it's it's not always all that consistent. So I think he needs to get that, actually, the consistency inside the game. Um, I believe to be to really be 90 minutes on top of his game. Uh, right now, he has some spells in games that he's very absent as well still. And then he still does something amazing, which is already more than many players uh, can, can provide. But... Um, yeah I, th- I think it, it that would be easier to achieve when you stay a bit longer at the same club as well but um, yeah, there, there's so many factors in there. But if I were him, I, I would definitely you not know, stay a bit longer.
0: Yeah, I think that it's, it's a really interesting one. This because you know his start has been so much better than I think a lot of people uh, expected. And 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 when you look at, he's a particularly good finisher. Actually, he doesn't do too much in games aside from that. But is um, he's a good shooter and his choice of shot, shot placement, and things like that is is, is very good. But it'll be difficult to see how he can maintain anything like this. So to find his natural level is going to be really, really interesting. And I think, you know, sides and top, big sides, elite sides from top five leagues certainly will be looking for numbers like this uh, to be sustained over, over a longer period. So hopefully he sticks around next season. But it's, it's an interesting one to keep an eye on because uh, we've not seen anyone kind of explode if you like onto the scene like this for for, for a little while. And that's, that's definitely what, what, what he has done. Let's move on shall we to, to your side Yoris uh, to the Sega Genk 1 Union saint 2 and Genk's lead has now been cut to just five points. Joris, how do you feel about your side's performance this weekend, other than being understandably quite frustrated? Oh
1: yes, uh, there there was a time where I definitely would not want to talk about this game. I still, I'm only <laughs> reluctantly doing so. But yeah, okay, uh, I, I've I've put it to bed now. I think uh, I, the the performance. Well, that's the one thing that that makes it a bit more bearable in a way. Uh, Although Mm -hmm. it won't win new championships, but the performance was was good enough to to not be too concerned, despite, yeah, it's not only this game, especially if it would be in a vacuum, it would be a very tough one to take, but yeah, if it would be that, that's that. But it's also just a general uh, lack of grabbing points, like they got uh, one win in five now, Um, so... Yeah, that that's not a, that that's not good. But on the other hand, they didn't have any kind of streak like this before in the season. Well, and other teams already have had that as well. As long as they can climb out of it, which they probably can do with good football uh, as a starting point, it, I'm not too concerned about the complete season yet. But of course, this this was a tough one to take. The 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 game when yeah, Hinkler really. Went off to a really flying start. They gave away one uh, quite big chance as well in the beginning, but after that, yeah, the, the they had actually quite complete control over the game. Partially because uh, Union also, um, well, were putting on a, a low block, and and but still, they they managed to to get through a few times, and and yeah, just a bit of, a bit of lack of of end product in the end, uh, of course. So yeah, not not enough clear-cut chances but in control of the game letting the ball go quickly sometimes playing through the lines maybe not enough but not expected to do, happen that much against the side like Union who has a good organization but regardless of that they, they came through and quite far uh, in the first half uh, considering circumstances a lot um, Van der Heerde really couldn't keep up with uh, Payne still uh, yeah for example uh, at that point and yeah okay the that penalty that he can get, in the end, like like I said in before as well, I like put it together. Like both of the penalties, the Bechela penalty and this one, are are non for me and are difficult to take uh, for the opponents. Uh, I can get that, and that, that brilliant second goal. Yeah, <laughs> kind of need to like be not completely mad, but a little bit disappointed in Munios in in uh, Munio for not making sure he was on side because he probably could have done that. But on the other hand, you cannot really blame the guy. There was a really brilliant attack, ex- a, a counter attack that where Munoz um, originally heads the ball away and then goes on a sprint, gets the ball back and then passes forward. And then, yeah, keeps on sprinting on um, in the space. Uh, Trezor gets the ball to El Canoos. El Canuz gives it immediately with one touch with his left foot, uh, which is not his uh, strongest one uh to Munoz to finish this off brilliant as well brilliantly as well, but unfortunately had run slightly too fast. So that's even uh, yeah that he was passed and it was correctly of course uh ruled off a four offside. side but that, that whole attack that 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 was yeah that that was that was why I'm not too concerned as long as these things happen and yeah okay in in a period in the season like during some periods of the season everything felt well for Hink uh in front and at the back they got away with a few things unfortunately this time that was not the case uh, until the 14th minute i i could probably even say it was almost a perfect game except a few uh, like more opportunities and goals uh, maybe but um, yeah then two two minutes 30 around Arteaga not defending well on a, on a cross from adingra yeah and uh, and newkoop uh, putting the ball in easily well not not great defending from from him and like, a few things went wrong in that attack, and in two minutes later, a second goal. This time, it's adinga curling it in uh, in his own style, um, perfectly. Yeah, where, yeah, it's difficult to 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 blame anyone because the, actually, defending was quite well there because the ball came back from a, a missed, uh, well, a blocked attempt from Boniface. It fell to adinga Yeah, you probably could say that he should not have that space anymore, but yeah, since it was already coming from a block. Yeah, the the, the organization was a bit lost in two minutes, and unfortunately, the Union pay, uh, made them pay for that, uh, like we know, know they do. That's why I also said like the, the the cynical side of Union, which is well, this kind of cynical side is it's not meant in a in a pejorative way uh it, it's not meant in a bad way but yeah it's it, it this is th- this is what they do and uh, you really need to be concentrated for 19 minutes as a gank site and that that's more concerned about still so, like to get that defense a bit back more in order or get get a few results back uh together and 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 everything it will be well, we'll be fine. Second half, I think we're not that good as it anymore. They 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 still had the control, but now even more. You know, we're happy to let them have the ball, and uh, they didn't create enough uh, to really warrant another goal. Even though, yeah, also fine mar- margins again. Actually, that second goal, or uh, well, actually third goal, even fell. But yeah, just the few centimeters between a shoulder or uh, and, and an arm made a difference between uh, McKenzie making. Hence, without knowing w- knowing much about it before the ball touched the line, and uh, well, the the goal again, according to the rules, uh, ruled out uh, correctly. Um, that. Yeah, that that that. These are all, another one that this one is at least clear clots in in the in the regulations, but it's also a bit of a rule that's like in cases like this, it's, it feels a bit weird. It is what it is. I'm going on for a long while here, I know, and I hope I'm making some sense. Uh, but from Unio's perspective, uh, definitely a, a good win that they they managed to keep Genk out quite easily. Genk didn't make enough. That's also small pain point in this specific game then though, because it has been a strength in a whole season and not only because of Unawachu, uh, the, the set pieces, they, they, they got, f- what is it? 13, 14 corners, I believe. And, and while usually they, they get some danger out of this, that was except for that one. Well, disallowed goal this time, not the case. And that, that could have helped of course, uh, um, that uh, uh, set pieces outside of a penalty of course as well but yeah for union good win after that good results at least in uh, in berlin as well uh, in the rest of the uh, earlier in the week everything is really closing down at the top and for hank it's time to yeah get the the results back together with the the football that they still produce one final note on that they, they still produce it but maybe for not not long enough for uh, in inside a game, but they, they need to make these moments count. Uh, they still have enough moments. No time to panic, but things to work on, definitely.
0: You mentioned uh, d- d- some, some defensive concerns um, earlier, and I was going to ask you if you feel that uh, Genk are conceding too many at the moment because I think in the, the in the last ten since uh, January they've only kept a clean sheet against uh, Usten Sarang and Zolta. Which when I had a look at this, I thought, oh, that's that that that's interesting. I mean, obviously, their side you would expect them not really to concede against, but I, it's something at the back of my mind as well uh, about whether they're they're conceding too many. What what was your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, yeah, even more. I've also done my own. Thing, thought, had my own thoughts on that because before they haven't cl- had that many clean sheets before either but where um what is it i hope my stats are correct but more or less it's going to be in the range of it's seven times that Henk have conceded twice or more and and five of yeah. the seven times have come since the gaming westerlo middle of january i believe uh that is only in the league i'm not counting the the antwerp uh, cup game uh, there but um so yeah undeniably and we yeah that that's the one concern i really have a bit is indeed that comes with the playing style this was was going to happen Let's just hope that there is at least some answers that can be made uh uh yeah, can can be given by by the team and by franke uh, as a coaching staff uh, to both keep that uh, the, the f- football flowing and 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 that uh, defensive mistakes or the defensive uh, shape a bit more in order That uh, is definitely something to work on oh yeah one one final thing also another reason why I'm not not yet maybe at once I hope it doesn't I'm not too concerned yet is of course that both the games against Antwerp and union together. Hank probably were the better sides. And these are the two games in these last five uh, winless game, uh, well, g- games uh, where they did lose against the top two uh, other teams in the top three. They probably should not have lost. Yeah, whether they should really something else. But even if, uh, if both times it would have been a draw, psychologically, everything would have been um, a lot different. Together with a slightly uh, bigger uh, points margin, of course, psychologically, um, the the work needs to be put in place and then uh, get over
0: this. So the, the, the final game of the weekend in Brussels, uh, speaking of games involving Brussels-based sides, was the other Brussels team. Anderlecht, Le uh won 2-0 at home against Circle Bruges. Relatively straightforward home win this, I thought. I thought Anderlecht were, were good value on the on the whole. Islam Samani's now got six and nine euros across all competitions and Anders Dreyer seems to have a, a continue to have anyway a really positive influence. He's got four and twelve plus two assists now and is, and is become a really big part of what they do. Offensively, they're starting to kind of click a little bit, I I, I think Anderlecht. want to highlight a uh, Varlas. Actually, you were talking about how uh, Uber had a really good game for Ustend this weekend, which he which he did. I thought Varlason had uh, two or three absolutely top drawer saves in this game as well, which uh, kept kept the score down. Um, and this is a big win for Anderlecht, because they go in they went into this game rather knowing that if they didn't win, then probably their playoff two chances were were gone. But winning means that they are right back in the mix, along with Circle and, and Leuven and Charlois for that last two of two spots. So, a really important win for them this weekend, Jonas. What did you make of this?
1: You, you highlighted exactly that. Uh, Warleson was probably the only circular player on, on their regular level. And I think that's this time entirely up to being, uh playing so well. Uh, probably the best they've played in a long while. Um. Uh, and and they got that first win again to come back to last week that first win against a team that has that's currently in the top eight. Yeah, they, they did get that right in time, and uh, yeah, now now they're definitely in the race of it, and yeah, they, they there's a case to make that they may be even the favorites uh, for that final ticket now, um, but uh, we will uh, have to see how that all uh, is it sustainable. And you already touched on Dreyer and Slimani. They've been, again, if my stats are not uh, wrong, um, if I'm not not mistaken, uh, they've been part of 12 of their last 15 goals um, combined. So that's definitely, yeah, it has been a a, um, a lucrative uh, winter window for them. And yeah, definitely Slimani himself, actually he he scored two, but he probably should have Worth more than four <laughs> the, the, than the four of Orban, uh to this weekend, but uh, there was a good uh, wireless on tonight to deny him. Together with, I guess, a, b- a bit of subpar finishing at the same time. But um, even then, I think the most of the shots anyway were still on target. So all credits uh, still go to uh, to wireless on there. Noteworthy is also still that uh, Kevin Denki got a red card at the final in the mm-hmm. final stages of the game. Uh, which is maybe even more important in in that battle uh for uh, playoff uh, for for the europe playoffs yeah it might be more significant than the loss on itself um, but yeah circle definitely had a had an off day but uh imposed by unreal uh they 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 uh were flying uh on the on Sunday as from part of that seen because obviously I only saw the second half-life
0: yeah you're right The on, on the Kevin Denke point actually that could prove quite significant for circle i know they're not happy with that red card and are going to challenge it because obviously it could have implications for for that that playoff two spot for them so um, that that, that also is a big takeaway from this game Okay, so before we move on and and kind of talk about the the action in the Challenger Pro League this weekend, Joris, why don't we touch on uh, Europe briefly because there was some brilliant action this week obviously involving the Belgian sides, Anderlecht getting a 1-0 draw at home against Villarreal thanks to a brilliant uh, Anders Dreyer goal which actually was, uh, I think it was you UEFA's goal of the week Um, and and deservedly so Uh, a really cracking goal Union as we know had a really entertaining 3 all draw in Berlin against Union Berlin the other Union and uh, they obviously know each other very well having been in the same group uh, earlier on this season really unlucky not to get the win and be able to hang on there
1: well I'm sure Union Berlin would be saying something completely different about the luck and the unlucky (laughs) parts there but uh, the scoreline lucky I guess
0: (laughs) quite quite right too yeah Uh, yeah Again, managing to get that draw uh, with Basaksehir, here, uh, thanks to the latest, or well, not the latest, but one of the latest of uh, Gift-Orban's goals. I thought we saw some really good finishing from the Belgian sides in these games, and I really enjoyed some of these goals, Joris. And Obviously, all three sides are very much in it going into the the, the second legs.
1: Hopefully, all of them can capitalize on that as well. Um, won't be easy, but uh, I hope to see some more European football from a few Belgian teams, hopefully even. But uh, yeah, everything is to play for, especially now with the away goals. Like
0: It's literally a draw at the moment for everyone. Absolutely, and uh, we wish all those sides the, the best going into the, the second legs in, in, in a few days' time. Mm-hmm. Let's move on then, shall we, to the, the Challenger Pro League, which obviously, as we know, have already started their playoffs. We've reached match day 3 of, of 10. Um, a little score round up, playoff 2, the relegation playoff, uh, Dender got a 1-0 win against Denza. Verton won 1-0 at home against sl 16 which is significant for a few reasons, partly because it's Verton's first win in seven but it's actually their first win at home since April of 2022 against Muscron would you believe, which is rather extraordinary. But they're still they're still uh, rooted to the bottom, six points clear to safety with seven games to go um, so they've still got some work to do if they're going to um, salvage their, their season and the other game was uh, Lommel 2, Yongenk 0 in the, the, the Limburg Derby. In terms of playoff one, the promotion playoff, Laers won 2 0 at home against Anderlecht under 23s. Beershot lost 1-0 at home to Beveren. Uh, Curtis have a late winner from Alexander Vukatic, which I thought was quite interesting because he was he was at fault last week uh, for Molenbeek's goal in, in, in the big game there. So he's, he's more than made up for it now. And the other result was Molenbeek's rather dramatic 3 2 home win at home against Club Next, who've who've been doing very well. Molenbeek actually stay top. They've they keep their three point lead over over Beverin following that uh, dramatic hat trick from Zachariah Elowadi and his ninety-fifth minute winner. Still a long way to go, Yoris, but um it's pretty exciting the CPL at the moment. Two late winners for the
1: for the top two. That's that's already showing something for uh for Friton also can add that uh they they've made the key goalkeeper switch uh because Vincent Cigny, uh the the regular first team goalkeeper throughout the whole of the season has uh yeah not uh, would be would have been moved to the bench anyway but also has uh, not reacted well to that uh so uh it was even put out of the whole squad the last weekends and uh, his replacement, Sardine, experienced uh, goalkeeper, um, yeah, did well. Uh, I didn't see anything, but he kept the clean sheets, uh, which is for Virton uh, not something that happens too often either. So uh, did well enough. So um, yeah, that, that's that's a thing to note as well for, for in that relegation playoff. And yeah, definitely, uh, they, they did need that win. They still have a lease of life because of it as well. So uh, we'll have to see if, how that uh, develops and on the top. Yeah, Eluadi El- is really on fine form, not only in this game, and uh, yeah, things are heating up still.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and we'll we'll be keeping a close eye on that for you, everybody. Don't don't worry about that. We mentioned early on listeners' questions, uh, and we've got a few, and we've promised to answer them all, as we have been doing in recent weeks. So so let's do that before we before we go, shall we, Yoris? So we've got a question here from Sal at Is All UK Man, and Sal's asking a bit about uh, Dominic Tedesco, Yoris which which is apt, obviously, because on Friday of this week, we will have the formal announcement of his first squad for the upcoming games against Sweden, which is obviously the opening qualifier, and the friendly against Germany, which might be the slightly more interesting one because that's the one where we'll see perhaps some some experimentation. And Sal asks us, do we think Tedesco will bring in some new faces? Uh, The answer to that, the short answer is Yes. Second part, and I'll ask you this, Joris. If so, who do you think deserves a call up the most?
1: There are several uh, players to name. I'll try not to be too subjective on the matter as well. But, uh, well, I, I do think Romeo Lavia will already be in there. Uh, Southampton, uh, central midfielder, central defensive midfielder. He's, he's impressed and he's still very young. Um, so despite Southampton not being the, the, the team that's shining so much in the Premier League this season, he, he has done well uh, when he was not injured. That's also, of course, the question. I also think then to get a bit more subjective that Trezor definitely deserves a call-up, not only because of his uh, just generally really amazing season. Isn't it think, but also because there are actually are some injury worries uh, and then players out with injuries uh, on that position. So I, I feel like he deserves a, a call-up. Mignolet retired as well. Uh, he announced that officially yesterday, even mm-hmm. though it was already by accident, by communication leak, by, by, by the by the FA actually already announced on what is it Friday or Saturday, I believe. Uh, but the, yeah, okay. Regardless of that communication mishap, he has retired now officially as well. So that there might be a new goalkeeper. Although I feel like he might go for Sels uh, as a third goalkeeper. He's also not the most important, um, yeah, position in the squad. Of course, uh, uh, that there might be uh, some some uh, might be Sels or a younger goalkeeper. Uh, there are a few candidates there, I guess Bodar, Van der Voort, who else has been in the in the U twenty under 23's um goal in, uh, in the fa- past few years. Uh Kaminsky maybe even. I don't do not have a clear sight on how he's doing at, at Blackburn. But okay, just to name a few. So it might be a new goal a third goalkeeper. For the rest it depends if if uh, how much uh, of the uh older generation that haven't retired yet if if yeah if there will be more announcements um uh, uh of retirements for the national team or uh, this in in the days still coming up as well that li- would limit uh the choices uh as well and um well, we we do know that Tedesco has watched a lot of uh Belgian players uh young players so I'm, I'm sure he will be looking to, to bring some new people in, probably also some that I haven't mentioned yet.
0: Yeah, so I think there's 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 a lot of moving pieces here in terms of who might be selected and and, and who might not. And people are getting very excited about all of this and the possibility of wholesale changes. But I just wanted to temper that for everybody for a little bit because there's no real time for experimentation. We're obviously jumping in at the deep end to to a qualifier with Sweden. Um, So there isn't much time for, for immediate tinkering. And that's where the Germany fixture as I was saying earlier, becomes a little bit more interesting because that's where we might see some faces tried in certain positions and and uh, tactical things that we, we're not going to see against uh, Sweden. So that's that's the one game of the two that I'm slightly more interested in for lots of reasons. Also, just as a side note, really interesting over the last 24 hours to hear under-23 T1 Jackie Mataisen talking about the fact that Dominico De Tesco's first squad selection is going to have a massive bearing on his own squad selection for the upcoming under-23 European championships in Romania and Georgia as well. So long story short, there's a lot of moving pieces here yet, but we'll probably be talking about some of this again uh, next week when we see the squad in in more detail. So hopefully that answers your question. I'll I'll drop one more name. Uh,
1: Vermeer is an option. There's a case to make for him, I suppose.
0: (laughs) Yes, Arthur Vermeer. Yeah, of course Arthur Vermeer in Antwerp is getting everybody very excited at the moment and eh uh, actually was saying that uh, we're probably going to be seeing one of two scenarios here either he will get a call up for the senior side which is 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 i i would say 50-50 but probably more unlikely but at the very least he'll probably be picked for the for the under 19 side I, I'd be very surprised if that if that didn't happen but my feeling is it's come probably slightly too soon for the senior side but we'll see because Dominico has has mentioned his name uh, a few times but I'm quite excited to see what comes out on Friday lunchtime and we keep a close eye on that all of us our next question actually Yoris, comes from and it continues the Belgian FA theme because it's related to the Belgian FA again it's from uh, Felinius Monk at 313 Dennis and he asks, I would love to hear more about the FA's budget. And I think this actually hints at something that's happened over the last week and a half. We know that the FA have been uh, letting a lot of the medical staff um, go and, and kind of slimming down the staff a little um, at the headquarters in, in, in B's. This isn't actually unusual. I know some people have been kind of quite concerned about this, but quite often when you see a changing of the guard and and new coaching staff come in, often you see things like this happening. There's a couple of things I would say in this, Joris. I would say that Roberto Martinez had a very big support staff at his own request. He built up a big network there, uh, which was very much his and had been in place for a while. So naturally, a lot of that's going to get dismantled. And the other thing is, obviously, with a very poor World Cup, the Belgian FA didn't really make much money from the World Cup as well, um, and that may or may not have have been a been a factor here. But I don't think people should be too concerned about the apparent slimming down of things because that's not necessarily a bad thing, and it's probably something that's going to be high on the list of uh, new sporting director uh, Frankie Vercauteren, who will who will lead in a lot of these budgetary things,
1: if I'm not mistaken okay that's actually not a good thing but if i'm not mistaken over the past few years even the good years rarely there has been uh some uh some gains and definitely no well no huge financial gains for for the association themselves so um it's probably not a huge factor except yeah of course it is obvious that you can't pay uh, the big names not necessarily good coaches but the big names um, are uh, yeah unavailable which is not necessarily a bad sign either
0: yeah really interesting question that hope that answers it for you felenius monk as i was saying a lot of red devil news will be coming out over over the next week so as i'm saying i'm sure we'll we'll come back to some of this next week our final question, Joris, comes from Robert Sherwood, who I think, judging by his question, might be an American listener because he's he's asking us about uh, some of the, the American players in the Pro League. Mark McKenzie, Marlon Fossey, Sam Vines... And Brian Reynolds, and asking us pretty much what what do we make of them, and uh, how many of them do the, do we think will still be around in the pro league next season?
1: Yeah, that is a good question, and the, the remainder of the season might have a say in that as well. Especially in the case of McKenzie, I suppose. Of course, the one I'm uh, I have the most eye on as a as being uh, well, as being a Gink player, and him being a Gink player, and me being a Gink fan. And you know, his level, well, he has really increased a lot over the past. He has, prog- uh, over the past few seasons, he's, he's really after a good start. A few seasons, like two seasons ago, last season, he had more of a little well, of a meh to so to say, uh, year last year. But this year, uh, he really has progressed and, and made. Uh, uh, made some steps the past two weeks. I have to admit but he's together with the rest of the team and the defense. May rest of the defense, maybe he has been a bit more error prone and a bit well nonchalant some, at times, I guess. But uh, I I I think he, if if can get a trophy and so subsequently would be playing in Europe uh, next season, I, I might see him stay. If not, maybe he would opt for a move. Uh, Sam Vines, well, as uh, as 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 he also mentioned, has been injured for a large part of the season. Now, I believe I've heard that uh, that he finally made his uh, first uh, stream, few steps back into the uh, young Reds squad, so the, the under they're under twenty three squad, so is almost ready to play again. Uh, whether we will find the spots uh, with Avila uh, performing quite well recently is another question, but TC uh, will be fit. But regardless of that, I do think he will still be around. Reynolds. It also depends, I suppose. If, if will he does he w- uh, want some stability? Does he want to stay? Can I, I believe he's also still on loan? So can Westerlo uh, can and do they want to? pay uh, the the amount for, for getting him longer. Fosse, I, f- I see him staying uh, at, at Standard as well, to be honest. Uh, he slowly sc- uh, got his spot in the squad and has actually been really decent uh, over uh, over this course of this season. So except, that's of course always a question still with Standard, except if they have to sell him because they got a really good offer for him. Uh, I see him staying and, and yeah, getting more uh, settled into first team football in Belgium
0: yeah I'm just going to say I, I agree with all of that thanks so much for your question Robert I hope, hope that answers it and thanks for all of your listeners questions over the last few weeks we really enjoy kind of getting to grips with these uh, so do keep them coming you know how to do that you can get in touch with us on social media um, or you can email us as well it's very nice uh, to get a question in from, from one of our American listeners so, so thanks for that Robert well well, I think that's just about it us for another another bumper BFP. Thanks for joining me.
1: Yeah, our pleasure as always despite the results. Uh, always uh, always a pleasure to to be here.
0: Yep, I've really enjoyed it and uh chewing chewing the cud of uh, the Belgian football landscape with you, you this week. If you enjoy what we do, as always, please do consider leaving us a of review on your, your podcast platform of choice. We'd really appreciate that. That helps new listeners find the BFP. That's just about it from us. As I was saying, we'll speak to you again next week on another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast.